I was, a, I was serving uh, for a few years. Um, actually, before that, let me tell you a story. Um, I, I came to Christ, and I started to attend a really, really big church, like a city-sized church, Ten, like over 10,000 members kind of church. And I, I went to this church, and, and they talked about, hey, you should get involved in service. You should be involved doing something, serving the community. And I thought, well, that's not a bad idea. So I, I mean, I was just a sea of opportunities. So I, I volunteered for what I thought was the lowest rung on the ladder. There was this group of people, mostly older women, who went to a, um, an old folks home. And they went to the senior citizens home and they would go and they would just be an encouragement, like, you know, sit around people's beds and just encourage people, listen to people share their stories and just encourage. And then they would have uh, a sort of like uh, um, a Sunday service. Well, uh, they would speak about the gospel and then they would close in song and that would be it. I said, that's easy. I could sit around. What, what, well, how hard is it for me to sit around somebody's bed, listen to somebody, tell me their story, and then sit down? They ran the service. They did everything, right? And so they started um, the service part of our being together, and they sang and all that other stuff. And then they did, now this was my, what was it, my first, maybe my second week doing this commitment with them. I knew absolutely nothing. I knew less than nothing. I knew more about Allah than I knew about Jesus, okay? I knew absolutely nothing. And as I'm there, they said, you know, in just a couple of minutes, Brother Edwin is going to share a word with us. <laughs> I couldn't believe my words. I couldn't believe my ears. They said, Brother Edwin is going to share a few words with us. And after that, everything just went, it's like, what? What did they say? So I did what any, you know, Christian at that moment uh, would do. I faked it. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I saw I had a Bible. I didn't even have a Bible with me. I think I borrowed the old lady's Bible next to me. I said, give me that. And I said, and I said, oh Jesus, if you ever spoke, now's a good time. All right, that's what we're going to talk about. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was the way, I'm sure I led several of them to Buddhism. I have no idea. I have no idea what it, but, but I, after I spoke, um, the, the woman who was next to me I invited people if they wanted to know about Jesus. And now, now here's the thing. It's like, it's statistically impossible when you look at the statistics, now I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm saying when you just look at the math, when you look at the statistics, the chances of a person receiving Christ after 60 is like you're more likely to hit a, you're more likely to get hit by lightning. You're more likely to get um, hit the lottery. You're more likely, like it's not gonna happen. If you haven't received Christ by the time you're 60, you're more likely not gonna, people think, oh, I'll just give my life to Christ later on in life. No, 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 the, the, it gets the, it gets smaller and smaller, the likelihood of this. And I'm telling you, two people raised their hands in this thing. And my life changed in that moment. By doing this act of service, I found the calling, 
Now, all I wanted to do was sit next to beds and listen to people tell their story. But God used that ministry opportunity to shape and form and direct the rest of my life. The very reason that I'm here doing what I'm doing now is in large part because of that moment. My life is fulfilled, joyful, satisfied. My life is full and glad, all because God decided to sneak up on me an opportunity for serving someone else. And in that, I found my purpose. Throughout this series, we've been talking about our purpose. And we've looked at several purposes that God would have for us. We looked at worship. You were created to worship God. We looked at fellowship. You were created to do life with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We looked at discipleship. You were made to be like Jesus. Today, we're going to look at another purpose that we have, and that's ministry. You were formed to serve others. If we miss this, we miss the joy of life. If we miss this, we, we miss the solution for depression, the ability to overcome some of our self-centeredness, if we miss this, if we miss this purpose, we miss some of the greatest opportunities for joy in our lives. So I want you to listen in because today we're going to talk about one of the most important things you could be involved in, which is serving someone else. Now we're going to look at a passage um, in Luke where Jesus is answering a question with a parable and then some questions. He's going to Answer a question. Now, what happened was, was that one of the religious people came to Jesus and they asked him a question. And the whole point of them asking Jesus this question was so that they could be relieved of their responsibility to serve others. Are you ever like that? Do you ever just want to relieve yourself from having to be responsible for loving or serving anyone else? These people weren't any different. And so they came to Jesus and they asked him a question. Because Jesus says, hey, man, you got to serve your neighbor. And the guy was like, well, then who's my neighbor? And just a quick tip, it's not a good idea to try to outsmart Jesus, right? <laughs> right? The guy who invented calculus, the guy who invented this, you know, who knows the numbers of stars in the sky and who's going to win the Super Bowl next year, that guy is smarter than you. And so Jesus sees past his question and gets to the heart of things and tells them this story. We're going to read it right from the Bible, and then we're going to look and see if we can't glean some real principles that we could learn about gospel service and what we were purposed, uh, purposely made for. So in uh, our church, we stand at the reading of God's Word. We think God's Word is wonderful and is worthy of our attention. And so we're going to read Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. So we're going to read in a nice loud voice. If you would just read with me uh, on a count of three. One, two, three. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away 
leaving him half dead, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw him. He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he put on donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is God's word. Have a seat. Well, I want us to notice here, and I forgot to say this, um, the curriculum that we're doing, the sermons that we're doing, the small groups, all of that stuff, none of that is original with us. None of this is original with me. We got it from Rick Warren and the Saddleback people, which we're really grateful for. So this is not my stuff. This is their stuff. But I think it's really important for us to learn. So let's look into the text and see what God would teach us <clears throat> uh, through this. There's, I think, three attitudes that we need to watch out for when it comes to serving. Three attitudes when it comes to seeing people in need. The first one, I think we see in verse 31, and we'll call it keeping my distance attitude. Would you write that down? In your bulletin, there's a sermon map which you can keep track of what we're saying, and you could just fill it out. Um, uh, go ahead and take that uh, sermon map out and work through it. On the first blank, I want you to write this down. Keep my distance. There is a sense where every one of these men saw the same problem and reacted differently because of their attitude towards those in need. Remember, if life is all about me, then this world is an unbelievably terrible place. Some of the greatest joys that you and I have experienced is because other people took interest in us. Other people guided us. Does anybody, does anybody here have like a favorite teacher that actually invested in you in life, right? Did you, right? Do you have that? Like there's a lot of us who have that, right? And if you didn't, it's just a heartbreak, right? Like if you didn't have a teacher, it's a heartbreak. But when you have that person to see you as you really are, it changes everything in life. My teacher was called Gary Russell, Mr. Russell. Um, Mr. Russell was a wonderful teacher who saw me who didn't see uh, all of my other teachers, all they did was saw, well, my brother, they were much better at school. They had gone there. I was the youngest. Um, I was a bit of a troublemaker. Um, and, and no other teacher wanted anything to do with me. Uh, Mr. Russell did. And he saw me. And he invested in me. He, he poured into me. He had this thing. Mr. Russell was no joke. 
Mr. Russell, no kidding, right? And I'm going to practice this one day, right? Mr. Russell would be erasing the blackboard, and people, you know, kids would be talking behind him. He would be erasing the blackboard, and he would go like this, like the arrow, man. He would like bang and hit you dead on. It was amazing. He was amazing with the eraser. Now, you can't do that nowadays, right? Back, listen, back when I was growing up, they could hit you. It was like no big deal. And, so, and some of you kids were like, that's so barbaric. Yeah, yeah, well, and some of y'all might need some of this um, right now. Mr. Russell was absolutely no joke. He was very serious, and he had this one thing. It was the, if you found this, no one should approve of. But um, he had this thing where it was like the, the, the march of shame. If you failed the test, he would put the score on your, and all the teachers are like, no, that's not going to, I know. But here, I say this to say this. Mr. Russell never, I, I failed every spelling test. I can't spell IQ. I'm telling you, I'm the worst speller that you've ever met in your whole life. I failed every spelling test. Mr. Russell never walk, let me walk in the march of shame. He just believed in me, and he knew that that would hurt me. And he wouldn't let me, he would, he would hand out everybody's test paper and mine when it was a failed uh, spelling test. He would turn it over so no one else would see my grade. Now, if you're distracted by the walk of shame, the point is, is that Mr. Russell did, in fact, see me and love me and invested in me. And in large part, I'm encouraged to learn and grow because of his investment in me. But not everybody's like that. Many of us see the problem. We see the pain. We see it in this text. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by. Many of us have an attitude of keeping our distance. Service is messy, and we keep our distance. That attitude will not serve us in our own souls, and it won't serve those around us. There's another attitude that we have to keep in mind. The other attitude is curious but uninvolved. Curious but uninvolved. We see this in verse 32. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So we see this Levite walking by and going, tisk, tisk, tisk. Isn't that a shame? And he continues moving on. You know, we see this um, in our culture in New York when there's an accident on the other side of the road. Have you ever seen this? I, I, I'm to, one day I'm going to ram somebody in the back just to prove that nobody should stop. What happens? It's on the other side of the road, and people are driving. There's no accident on our side. There's not, you know what people do? They slow down. Why? Because they're curious, but they have no intention of serving or helping. They're curious, but they're uninvolved. Listen to me. This is an attitude that as Christ followers, we must avoid. We cannot be the curious yet uninvolved. We cannot be the people who um, drive by, see somebody's need, roll down the window, and go, I'll pray for you, and then keep on driving. <laughs> that can't be our story. If we do that, we miss, we miss all the joy that God has for us in showing us that opportunity to serve others. There's a third attitude that I want us to adopt, and that's treat others 
how I want to be treated. Would you write that down? To be treated. Treat others how I want to be treated. This is a good idea in marriage. This is a good idea with your children. This is a good idea in life. We want to treat others as I want to be treated. We see this in verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds. Do you see that? There's those of us who not only see, but serve. It's, it's what God would have for us. That's the attitude. Recovery House of Worship. We have not been saved to see and not care. We have not been saved to ignore that which God is giving us the attention. We have not been saved to call the professionals with what God has called us to do. That is not our story. I don't, listen, I don't want to lead a church like that. I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I don't want to I don't want to be a Christ follower like that. We don't want to be that kind of a church. Not Recovery House of Worship. And the reason is, is because all of us are intimately, whether you smoked crack or you uh, had a 4.0 grade uh, average in your college uh, courses. Listen to me. Listen to me. We do not want to forget that Christ saw us was moved to pity and drew us to himself, not so that he could benefit, but so that we could benefit. We never want to forget the gospel. You've never laid eyes on anyone who needed your help any more than you have needed Christ's help. Now, I want to caution us. When it comes to service, some of us are fractured and broken. And we serve for reasons that will harm us. We serve so that in reality, we, be ser- we are served. Our service is not about others. Our service is about self. And when we serve like that, we serve with bitterness. We serve with resentment. We serve with an expectation to receive the same kind of service. We serve with an eye on our needs, not on others. This is not the kind of service that we're talking about here. This is not the kind of service that we're speaking about when we talk about serving others. When we talk about serving others, we're talking about a a selfless service. I'm going to share my meal with you, not because four months from now, when you don't share your meal with me, I can go, you see, I wouldn't do that. I'm not like that kind of a person. No, no, no. We do that so that we could serve. We, there's an opportunity to serve, and our concern is not being repaid. Our concern is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's four steps. So those are the three attitudes. We keep our distance. We're curious but uninvolved. Or treat others how we want to be treated. But there are four steps to serving the needs of people the way Jesus would. 
How can we serve like Jesus? Well, here's one way. The first one, and we kind of alluded to it already, is see the needs of people around me. i got to be able to start seeing this. If I don't see this, I can't act on it. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of things that keep us from seeing things. The first, let me say, is our own pain. Can I tell you pain makes you self-centered? Pain makes you great. And you've experienced this, right? Have you ever had a headache? And then you just tell people around you, just be quiet, just be quiet. I just, I need you guys to be quiet. Why? Because pain makes us just focus on ourselves. Whenever we're in pain, we tend to give an over-focus um, on ourselves. Pain that we're going through will not allow us to serve. Brothers, sisters, let me ask you to look even beyond our pain, to look to serve others. There's a, there's a beauty to that and a wonder. And you find, it's amazing how healing it is to serve others when we are in fact, oh, you mean nobody's loving you well and you see someone who needs love and you love them well? Man, there's amazing how God heals our own broken hearts. We need to start seeing the needs of the people around us. Look at that in the text. Do you see that in verse 33? But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he, what's the next word? Saw him. We have to see. We have to open our eyes. Some of us live in a world where our eyes are so focused on what we need, what we want, it's we don't see the real needs that are in our families, with our friends, all around us. we got to start seeing. Another, another thing that prevents us from not being able to see the needs that are around us is busyness. Let me tell you something. If you're busy... You just won't be able to see. I remember one time, one time I was uh, running in to, uh, I, I usually run in to the office where, uh, uh, right here in the church building I have an office. Well, I was running in and there was a, a homeless person who was about a mile into my run. And as I saw him, I could sense the spirit of God saying, just pause for a second find out a story, buy him a bagel, maybe some coffee, maybe he's hungry, it's early in the morning. Just pause. But, you know, when God interrupts the flow of my day, I feel obligated to tell him stuff that he doesn't already know. Do you ever do that? Tell God things that he doesn't know? But God, I'm too old. But God, I'm too young. But God, I'm too busy. Oh, my goodness, God, I imagine saying, Oh, I, I forgot that. Forgive me, I shouldn't have suggested that. God, said, God uh, uh, gave that prompting to my heart. And I told God about how busy I was and why I couldn't stop to care for this man. You know what I did? I just kept on going. I was too busy to see that this person was more than a project. This person was a human being who might have needed just a little bit of help. 
that I might be uniquely um, capable of helping him with. This person might at that very moment have been praying, God, don't you hear my cries? Don't you care about me at all? And God was like, I care so much about you. I'm going to wake Edwin up early. I'm going to lead him to your path. I'm going to put him right there because Edwin will take care of you. He's one of mine. And I just flew right by. I was just too busy. Are you too busy? Yeah. When we start seeing the needs of the people around us, when we start seeing like Jesus, we'll start serving like Jesus. So let's look at the next point. First is, we need to start seeing the needs of the people around us. The second point is we need to sympathize with people's pain. Sympathize. You can see this in verse 33, the same verse that we were reading. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took, what's the next word? Pity on him. He took pity on him. He took pity. He sympathized with the man's needs. There's a sense that as we grow in Christ, there's a leaning in our, there's a sinful leaning that makes us want to divorce ourselves from the needs of others. I've seen this even here at the Recovery House of Worship. Someone who was a raging alcoholic, couldn't stop drinking, got sober, relapsed, got sober, relapsed. And then they finally get it. The light bulb goes off in their head. They're eight years sober. And a person who's drunk walks in who smells like they drank all night and didn't keep it down. And they serve that person. And then that person comes back the next week in the same condition. And the week after that. And the week after that. And they go, Come on, man. Get it together. How long is it going to take you to get, get it together? And I think that's just crazy at the Recovery House of Worship. I think that's insane. We, when we sympathize with people, we get to see them through the eyes of Jesus. We get to see. When we see a person who needs our help, and I'm talking about even the undeserving needy, you know what I'm saying when I say the undeserving needy? Those who, have, those who didn't just fall into the pit, they dug it themselves. Have you ever been there? Yeah, maybe some of us have. Sure. And so, even when we meet them, we need to sympathize. Sympathize with people's brokenness. Sympathize with the position that they're in. Knowing that when we see them, what we're seeing is a clear reflection of how Jesus saw us in our brokenness. When Jesus saw you, he didn't see you put together. When Jesus saw you, he didn't see, when he saw, he saw you in your grime and in your mess and in your, he knew when, all, remember all those times you promised God that you were going to change and you didn't? He knew you weren't going to change. He knew that you were going to go back. He knew what you were going to do. And yet, and yet, he loved us and served us. We need to sympathize with others. Not only do we need to sympathize with others, but we also need to, in our sympathy with others, 
We could use, this is a great opportunity to use our pain. You know, pain that you and I have experienced throughout life can be a gift from God. You go, nah, 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 you don't understand. I was uh, touched as a young child by a person that I really trusted. How could God ever use that pain? I'm telling you, in my life, I can't tell you how many people I've counseled who've gone through that same experience and how healing it was for them to hear, me too, me too. God could use your suffering. God could use your pain to sympathize, to know what others are going through. Sympathizing with others. Not just seeing, but taking pity. We say, I don't want your pity. You're missing the point. You're missing the point. We need to sympathize with those who are broken, who are hurting, who God has put in our path so that we might be able to serve them. And we can sympathize with them simply by seeing our own pain, reflecting on the gospel, and being reminded that this person hasn't done anything that we haven't ourselves done uh, to Christ. So first step, if we're going to start serving people the way Jesus served them, is we're going to have to start what? Seeing the needs of people around us. Second thing we're going to have to do is sympathize with people's pain. The third is we're going to have to seize the moment and meet the need. Seize the moment. Let me tell you something. Miracles happen with just 30 seconds of compassion. Just a 30-second act of compassion can transform a life. It's amazing. You ever think what 30 seconds could do in a person's life? It's, it's mind-blowing. I was, uh, uh, there was a time where I was uh, uh, getting my daughter's phone. We were at one of those pay-as-you-go phone services, right? And I was getting her, uh, you know, because she was like real young. It was my oldest daughter. And she was young at the time, and I didn't see any need to get her one of the deluxe phones. It was like, ah, she just needs it, you know, to call and et cetera and text, et cetera. And so we were at these pay-as-you-go phones, and there was a, a girl, a young girl there. I'm telling you, she couldn't have been much older than my daughter. And the Lord just said, hey, just share with her about me. And so we're going to be there for the next 40 minutes, right? She has to set up the account. So I start talking to her about Jesus. And she starts sharing me some of her concerns and hurts. 30 seconds of compassion. 30 seconds. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? You look like you're preoccupied with something else. 30 seconds of compassion can change a person's life. You know, after that, um, and you know, I, I had to do this. I was like, hey, this is my daughter. I'm married but can I still have your phone number? Because um, I want to talk to you more about Jesus. And she was like, absolutely. And she gave me her number, and I, I shared the gospel with her. She received Christ. We met uh, another time after that. I did my best to connect her to a church uh, by where we were at the time at the Rockaways. Here's my point. 30 seconds of compassion can change a person's eternity. 30 seconds of compassion can change a person's forever. We've got to seize the moments. These are great 
and grand moments. We've got to be able to seize them. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, it's there um, under uh, that point. Never walk away from someone who deserves help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time, or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. See, we need to be able to seize the moment. But let me just let you know, serving others is inconvenient. Serving others will mess with your schedule. Serving others will, will start to futz around with your priority. It will. And so we have to grab the moment when it's there. Fourthly, we have to spend whatever it takes. This is, we see in verse 35. Look at this. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now watch. Spend whatever you have. Now, for a lot of us, this is where we go, uh, I was with you. It's when you started talking about this. Once any pastor starts talking about money, I know that, you know, sort of, there are emotions that kick up. I get it. I get it. I used to sit and, and listen to pastors. But notice, I'm not talking about anything that you would spend money here. I mean, I want you to invest. When you invest in here, you invest in so much. But what I'm talking about is meeting the needs of others. Now, caveat, caveat, listen. At the Recovery House of Worship, we encourage people not to give money. Don't give money. Um, if people have a need, like, oh, man, I need a bus ticket. Oh, man, I need a train fare. Oh, man, I need uh, food. Take the time to buy them the food. Don't, uh, and, and here's why. Here's why we say that. Um, we say here at the Recovery House of Worship, we don't want anybody ODing on our dollar. Right? We don't want anybody walking into the middle of traffic uh, because they're hopped up on something on our dime. We just don't want it. So if you want, if you want some food, all right, you're saying you want some food? Here's some food. I'll get you some food. Um, you want a, a, a train fare? I'll get you some train fare. But what we don't want to do is create an environment where we help people hurt themselves. Does that make sense? Okay. With that, however, being said, it does sometimes take an investment. And you got to be with, and you go, and you go, oh, but this is my last dollar. Isn't that a good offering? Let me tell you something. If you have a million dollars, if you have a million dollars, and I'm in terrible need, I mean, like my house just burnt down, and you gave me $1,000, that doesn't cost you anything. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't break your bank. But if you are just barely getting by, and you go, this is all I have, and you give me $1,000, that is something beautiful. That is precious. So be spent for others. Here's the truth about money. You can't take it with you. You cannot, you cannot take it with you. So since you can't take it with you, why not, why not send it ahead? 
the Bible says that when we give to others, we're, we're, we're storing up treasures in heaven. So since we can't take it with us, why not send it ahead? You'll never invest in anything like investing in need, meeting the needs of others. When we uh, first started, we, we didn't have anything. When we first started this church, we didn't have anything. And so I literally outgave the church. I'm talking about 50 people in the room. Everybody put in their dollar. And I know many of you think this is a 12-step meeting. Oh, just put in a dollar. The rent here is only $25 a month. I know how that works. And so it's not that way. We pay thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to keep the lights on, to feed the poor, to minister to the homeless and the hungry. We send more people to detox in this church than any 50 churches anywhere that I know of in the world. I'm telling you, this is an amazing place to invest in. However, however, when you invest in meeting the needs of others and you do it from your need, it's a beautiful sacrifice. You send it on ahead. You're building treasures in heaven. I encourage you to do that. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So spend whatever it takes. Is it going to take money? Yes. Is it going to take time? Yes. Is it going to take energy? Are you going to be able to spend energy? Yes. Is it going to take maybe your reputation? Yes. Some people will see you spend your time in ways that they don't approve of. Beloved, spend your time. Spend your money. Spend so that others would be blessed. So that others would know the blessing of being served and loved in Christ. Now, let me just say this. If you find yourself doing this, if you find yourself seeing the needs, sympathizing with the people, seizing the moments, and spending whatever it takes, here's what you'll find. You'll find that you're duplicating what another has done for you. There was one who saw our greatest need. You know what our greatest need was? That we were separated from God forever. We were eternally separated from God. We had no relationship with God. Not because God didn't want relationship with us, but because our sin divorced us. Divorced us from relationship with God. We ran from God. We wanted nothing to do with God. God saw that. And then he took pity on us. He realized that there was nothing that you and I could do. Nothing that you and I could affect in order to create this relationship with the king of the universe. He took pity on us, but he didn't just see us and take pity on us. He, he did something about it. He seized an opportunity. And so God himself came from heaven to earth. And he lived the life 
that you should have lived, but you did not. And he died the death that you deserve to die, but you don't have to. He came in his glory, humble as a servant. As a servant. He sees the opportunity. You go, oh, I know how I'll have a relationship with God. I'll just be better. I'll be a good person. And Jesus said, you don't need to be better. You need to be saved. You don't need a helper. You need a savior. And so he seized the opportunity. He took hold of it. And what did he spend? What did it cost him? Every ounce of blood. It cost him his reputation. It cost him beatings. It cost him time. It cost him energy. It cost him everything. But he said, that price is not too much. He paid for your salvation with his life. And so when you and I serve in ministry, we don't do it because if we don't serve, then we're bad Christian, you didn't serve. Bad Christian, you didn't stop while you were running down the street. Bad Christian, you walked right past that person. Bad Christian, you didn't, you didn't um, invest in the local church as they invested. Bad No, 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 that's religion and we want nothing to do with that. Let me tell you something. We serve because we have been served. We serve because God himself has come from heaven to earth so that he might see our plight, so that he might take, he might take pity and sympathize with our situation so that he might seize the moment and that he might spend whatever it takes. When we serve others, you're never more like Jesus than when you serve others. And then when you serve others, you never see you more clearly. When you serve others, you go, so this is what I look like to you, Jesus? Helpless and, and, and on my own, powerless and without any strength, to relieve myself of my plight? This is how you see me? Yeah. And I love you and serve you. And we'll do it again. Serve him and I will serve you. Don't serve him and I will serve you because Jesus can't deny who he is. But if you want to experience joy, I wonder if you're getting that. If you want to, if you want to see, Jesus, you go, you know what? I feel like my faith is wavering. Serve somebody and then sit with Jesus and talk about it. Serve somebody and see them as Jesus sees you. Powerless and helpless, unable to pay me back. But I love to serve you. I love to spend myself for you because, because he did it for me. Someone might go up to you and go, what is it about you? Why do you do this? I'm just, Jesus served me. And I feel the obligation to serve you the way Jesus served me. And maybe you'll see that in my serving you, it's Jesus serving you too. That's what I want for you. At the end of this service, we have opportunities for you to premeditate your service. We want premeditated service. We don't just want accidental servers here. 
we want premeditated servers. So at the end of this service, when you walk into our um, fellowship hall, I want you to go in there. There's going to be some tables that are set up. And you know what it's going to be? It's going to be opportunities for you to serve. Maybe you can have an opportunity to serve in the children's ministry. Wipe some noses, you know, keep some kids from doing their jailbreak. Um, teach some children the scriptures. You go, but wait, 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 wait. I don't know the Bible. And, and you know, you, I've seen some of our kids. I don't think they, I could stop them if they wanted to make a jailbreak. I get it. Listen, we train you in judo. No, I'm kidding. No, but what we do do is we do give you training. What we do do is we do give you training. And, and, and you go, but I'm not sure if I can do man, man, try. We have soup kitchens that take place three times a week. I'm telling you. And sitting down, serving with some people, and talking to them, hey, where do you go to church? You know, you know what that, how beautiful it is to serve somebody some food who won't be able to eat for the rest of the day except for the food that is in your hands coming to them? It's going to cost you some time. It's going to be inconvenient. Oh, but I tell you, when you serve them, you're never more like Jesus. You, experience, you don't just know the gospel. You experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's an opportunity. We have a food pantry that feeds hundreds of families a week. Yesterday, just um, yesterday on Saturday, we fed hundreds of families. Maybe, maybe that's, that's the thing for you. You know what? Maybe, maybe you want to get, maybe you, you're just a person with a happy disposition. And you know that when people come to a church service, you know that they will be struggling, that they will have a heavy heart, that there will be difficulty in their lives. And you just want to, as soon as they come in, you want to direct and greet them and make them feel like a million bucks once they walk through the door. Maybe that's you. You could serve in that ministry and create an environment for people to nowhere else in life will they feel this sense of belonging. But you can create that atmosphere for them. You can go around. Matter of fact, you don't even have to be on a committee. You can go around and come 15 minutes early and hug every person you see and go, you matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. Or maybe there's a ministry that I haven't thought of. Maybe, maybe you're good with tech uh, uh, things like websites and cameras. and I don't know. But you'll have an opportunity to sign up. My encouragement to you is not just to see or to ignore, but to see and to seize the opportunity. To see, to sympathize, to seize the opportunity, and to serve and spend everything you have. Spend everything you have. Your life will never be the same. Listen, there's no wonder why some people who have millions, if not billions of dollars, commit suicide and presidents showed up to Mother Teresa's funeral. There's no wonder about that. Because even a world that's not in Christ recognizes that this is the best life for us. And since we've been so deeply served by Christ, we can then be empowered. Since he served us, he can serve through us.